Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Uh, hey, everything's so sky. Look at the sky. The sky is very white because <laughs> snow is falling. It is, it is still, we are, we are in false spring here. So we keep getting these uh, spikes of weather that go up to like 50, 60 degrees, then all uh, Fahrenheit, and then all the way back down to 20. Uh, it has been super fun here, let me tell you. But well, um, trust me, you're going to have another one in a few days. Because, oh, we know. Yeah, we're we're currently in the middle of it. It was really weird um, walking back home, and the temperature literally dropped by like three degrees Celsius while I was walking. And um, Celsius degrees are pretty big. You can if you if they're dropping that fast, you feel it. It's like holy Christ. Sorry, oops. Sorry yeah. about that. That's, I think that is quite okay. And I think we all understand sometimes we are actually blizzard watch and we do actually pay attention to the weather. Yeah. We kind of have to, when you live where it is constantly being the weather, (laughs) but today we're not going to be talking too much about the weather, although that might play a factor in some of the questions we answer today. We're going to be answering questions from you, our wonderful listeners. If you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it is for. If you have any special pronunciation for your name, please make sure you include that with you. Uh, if you don't want to send us an email, you can go ahead and hit up on Discord. We have the Q and Podcast Questions channel, which is open for everybody. Same rules apply. Tell us the show is for and how to pronounce your name. And we also have one set aside for our patron subscribers. So our supporters get the patron Q and Podcast Questions channel. And as a reward, we tend to look there first before anywhere else to see if there are any questions or topics that we can answer or cover. But we're going to start with one from uh, a longtime friend of the show here, Tetsemi. Uh, and it's a question for Lorewatch, surprising no one, because we're talking about it here. You're a new fixer in Cyberpunk 2077. Which area are you going to try to make a name for yourself in? And do you work with or against the existing fixers? Matt. Uh, Santo Domingo, because the fixer there retired to sell cars. Uh, so there's no fixer. So therefore, uh, I could be that fixer and I wouldn't have to worry about competing with him. Uh, Momar Reyes is now the, he's the he guy who runs the auto dealer thing in the game. He literally says, I'm retiring at the end. If you do all of the quests he gives to V, he, he literally says at the end of that, I'm done. I'm out of this. I'm retiring. I'm going to go do car things. So yeah, uh, I would, I would go to Santo Domingo because they, it's wide open. There, there's no current fixer there. Yeah. So for me, uh, I think it would wind up having to be trying to replace uh, a simple little man uh, who had no, you know, ill will towards anybody, but is no longer in the picture for reasons unknown. Uh, Dexter Deshaun, if you can't tell, this is a bunch of uh, buckets of sarcasm because Dexter Deshaun uh, is really the impetus for the entirety of the story of 2077. Um, mm-hmm. So, in 2075, uh, Dexter made a bunch of friends, uh, and by friends, I mean enemies and Pacifica, got on their bad side, maybe a deal gone wrong. We don't actually know the full extent of it, but he disappeared for a few years. Then he came back trying to reclaim his throne or trying to reclaim his, uh, and I'm going to quote this here, uh, status as the black Jesus of the afterlife uh, with some high-profile jobs and with some disposable bodies. 
it didn't quite work out in his favor, and as thus there is a vacuum to fill in which was the immense hole that Dexter Deshaun has left behind, which means there's room to make actual friends. See, Ample indeed. Ample indeed. One of the things that I I talk about a lot with my, and I was just having this conversation with my uh, tabletop gaming friends on Friday at the shop, is that I'm really good at making friends and making people people feel comfortable in real life. There's a, a joke in my circle of friends that I always know a guy. If I need something done or somebody needs something done, I know somebody that I can get them in contact with, somebody who does verifiable work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you're looking to acquire something. I tend to know somebody because I go everywhere. And especially in like our gaming circles, it's the same thing. I don't just focus on my own store. I go everywhere. So everybody in the community knows me. Every game store owner knows me. And I have a certain reputation around me. Everybody seems to like me. And this is not me just patting myself on the back, but this feels like transferable skills for 2077. A successful fixer is somebody who knows how to essentially be a good politician without the corruption. You work jobs, you are good at sniffing out which ones are worth taking and which ones are way too risky, and you make everybody feel comfortable around you. I feel I would be really good at that. And in an area like, I don't know, Haywood or an area like Pacifica, I think it would be just fine. And I think it would be one of those things where my personality wouldn't tell me to go against the other fixers. No, I try to be on decent terms with them. They got to get their own. They got to they got to feed their families. Okay, cool. No big deal. Listen, I'm going to I'm going to be over here. I'll kick you. I'll kick people your way when I when I think that's going to be more suited to what you're dealing with. I'll be over here working on my stuff and whatever that is. I'm just going to stay at like I'm not going to try to ruffle your feathers. I'm not going to try to step on your toes. I'm going to be nice and smooth about it. I'm not going to I'm not going to make anybody an enemy if I can avoid it. Try to straight shoot with uh, my the, my folks and my runners and make sure that everybody is well in the know and that everybody likes working with me. And so that this way, other runners will talk to other runners who enjoy working with me, who bolster my reputation of being somebody who's good to work with, who treats them like actual human beings, maybe, and not necessarily disposable chess pieces on a board of Night City. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I would use my personality to its full advantage, and that's what I would do. And that's how I would uh, integrate myself into the fixer role of uh, Cyberpunk 2077. And if you happen to uh, listen to our old Cyberpunk episodes where I have the uh, the custom intro, uh, the fixer version of me does exist in my game tabletop style, style which is Joe Elgato Perez, uh, who is that sort of character, that sort of person. And I really, really enjoy it. I don't know. Do you want to flush yours out anymore, Matt? Is there any more thoughts on how you would slot in? Oh, the thing is, I, I know full well I'd be a terrible fixer. Really? Um, Why? Yeah, because everything you just described is not me. I'm not good at making friends. I'm not good at maintaining connections. I don't like to go places. Um, in general, it is not a skill set that I possess. Uh, one of my friends used to say that one of the things I was good at was catastrophizing. Uh, if you have a plan and you bring it to me, give me like a half an hour and I can tell you every single way your plan is going to fail every point of failure. So if I were working as a fixer, my basic role would be to come up with the, the, the thing I would be good at is having the, the people I'm hiring, tell me how they're going to succeed at it. And the me going, okay, this isn't going to work because of this, 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 and this wrap that up and you might have a shot. Uh, but that's, See, that's I think, what I'm good at. I'm I think good that, catastrophizer. I think that would make you a really good fixer for like Militech style jobs, right? Like, Maybe. I think, I think that would really fit your type of personality where like we have an assault job or we have this job where we've got to hit this or that or, or whatever the case is. And that's it. You're, uh, and I believe in the tabletop, those are called battle fixers. Uh, they're essentially ex-military that uh, go through and are hired on almost as uh, consultants, for lack of a better term, that do exactly what you're saying. They're like, oh, you're a runner. Cool. What's your plan for this? What do you have? What's your information? Okay. Well, for a fee or percentage, I can tell you everything that's wrong and how you're going to die. And then that's what they do. They, they help by fixing that battle plan. Yeah, that's I, that's I, the kind I could be. The kind where I'm actually networking, not my forte. Uh, I'm not even good at like I. I'm I'm just going to use a real life example here. I'm not good at making plans with people and then actually being there because there's always something that comes up, and I'm always like, I'm sorry, I can't because of X. I'm sorry, I can't because of Y. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why I have a life like that, but I but it happens constantly. It's always happening. So yeah, I don't that side. You know, if quite frankly, if you were going to be a fixer, I should have you hire me to be the guy telling everyone, no, that's not going to work. Here's why. Uh, because that I can do. So maybe, maybe that would be it. Maybe you and I would be in cahoots, which is going to be a stretch for everybody I know. But maybe yeah, that's it. Us working together? I don't understand. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm the face and you're the, the, for lack of a better term, the muscle when it comes to that. And it's like, oh, okay, well, here's, here's the job. I've lined this up for you. Uh, what are you planning to do? Cause that is actually something that we see in the Cyberpunk 2077 game where they're mm -hmm. talking with, and of course, Dexter Deshaun, because that's the one that you, you interact with at the grandest scale, I guess, 
where they're sitting down and talking about, well, here's what you're going to do. Here's how you can do it. Here's your resources. What's your plan? How are you trying to go in? When you go to Rogue, too, Rogue gets you the intel and then she tells you, okay, you know, this is, you can't go with them here because this is how big the area around Night City is that's patrolled. And you can't go here because this is where Kang Tao is. And if you attack the transport with in Kang Tao's range, they're going to be on you like, you know, in seconds. So, you know, you need to do it here. It's actually funny how Rogue is not a personable person. No, Rogue is exceptionally gruff. And I mean, understandably so compared to what, you know, Rogue's had to deal with. Yeah, but Rogue isn't about personality. Rogue is about brute competence. Mm -hmm. Rogue is the best because she used to be the best runner. And she knows how to run. She knows she's done work. She for survived. She moment. survived Adam Smasher. Yeah. She's multiple done work times. For Arasaka. She's done work for Militech. She's done work for, you know, gangs. She's done work for anybody. Um, and she still kind of has her, you know, manipulative nature. Like she's, she's oh, yeah. totally all about one of the things I loved was, and she's sending you off to like, you know, let's, let's do a blow for the working man here. And she's like, you know, I, I want you to just, just take him out. Don't, don't kill anybody else if you don't have to. Um, so yeah, I, back when the when I first played the game and the over the you know the um Overwatch gun could shoot through walls and was silenced. Uh, I remember shooting a guy for Rogue and just killing him and everybody else in the building didn't even know I'd done it. And she was like, "Well, yeah, okay, if you had to kill him, at least she kept it quiet." And that's the kind of thing Rogue is good. Rogue likes surgical solutions. She's a uh, she's so- a she's a pragmatist. I think yeah. is really the best way to put it. And I think you would fit that role really well. Uh, I'm not as skilled as she is, obviously, but that's the other weird thing is like in a future where I could get like body replacement stuff, like where I could, you know, fix all my aching stuff that is hurting in real life. Then maybe I would actually just go do runs. Maybe I'd just be a runner because I think my personality is more suited to that. But I think that that kind of fixer we're talking about in a way it's the gig economy if you're in the gig economy long enough, you eventually have to do something else because you just can't do the gigs anymore. It's true. Are you too old? Are you just simply too jaded? Do you not want, you know, I'm going to get myself in a position where I don't have to get shot at every freaking day. You know, there's, there's a very, there's various reasons why somebody moves into the role of a fixer. And I think that I would definitely not be good at the, the, the networking though. I just absolutely not good at that. Uh, but yeah, I I, I, de- I definitely liked you, you when you're talking about going, yeah, I, I could see Joe doing that. I kind of hope he never ends up having to do that. But, you know, I can see, I can see him doing that. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe in the inevitable cyberpunk future that is crashing down upon us. Uh, because let's be honest, folks, it really is. Uh, maybe I will just kind of slot myself into that role just, just fine. But I think that's going to answer that question, Titsemi. I hope that that really helps you out because I think it is fantastic. All right. We are going to go ahead and move on to another one. I think we're just going to skip to the next uh, Titsemi one since he was very verbose with us, uh, which, you know, thank you. We, we appreciate it. The second question actually goes towards World of Warcraft. Uh, in the Horde quest line to reclaim Gilneas, the quest text says to meet Queen Kalia and Lillian. Was Kelly's statement to Anduin that she had no interest in the throne true at the time, but as time has passed, she's starting to change her mind? I don't think so. I'm, if you actually do the quest, there's really no, she's not queen anything. You know, they call her Lady Kalia most of the time. 
I mean, uh, technically, I'm not sure why. Why? I mean, she would technically be queen of Lordaeron just because she's the last person who could call themselves like king or queen of Lordaeron standing. Uh, but I don't think she actually considers herself queen of Undercity. She's on the Desolate Council. Yeah, and I think that's really where that that comes in because technically, technically, she is queen, right? Like she is the last living known. Well, I'm air quoting the living part here because last moving and talking. Yes, the last, the last present member of the Menethil family line. Um, because we don't know if there are any other surviving members anywhere else, which by default makes her the queen of Lauderon. But in the way that the uh, the race of the forsaken is set up. That's really not necessarily a thing that they all look towards anymore. And I think if you go back to, uh, before the storm, which honestly, I highly recommend reading that book or listening to the audiobook, which is fantastic by the way. Um, but going through and, and giving it a little bit of a listen, because it sort of sets up that mentality where before they were looking towards Sylvanas to sort of fill that role of queen, because all those that were raised into the forsaken were humans and they were humans from kingdoms that were used to either serving in Lauderon or nearby and had sworn fealty to it. They wanted to have that sort of structure because that's all they knew. As time progressed, it became less about respecting that monarchy uh, and more about setting up the desolate council and more about trying to solve the problems of all the people without direct royal intervention. And it became more about the people, and I'm going to air quote again here, living or unliving their lives and moving forward. And that's sort of where the Forsaken are now. That's what the Desolate Council is. While Kalia is essentially queen of Lauderon, she sits on the council. She doesn't want anybody swearing fealty to her in the same way that they would a monarch. She just wants to help the people around her. But some do still refer to her as queen. I don't think it's a matter of her changing her her mind or anything like that. In the same way that Lillian Voss really... She hasn't really changed her direction too much, except for growing a little warmer with Kalia uh, and understanding her plight. And I don't think that was like a mistake. I think that was intentional where they said that you meet the queen, because I also think that at least Horde side, uh, a lot of the Hordes still view her as that that sort of default role, uh, whether or not they accept it as a monarchy or not. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it was just kind of a train of thought there. <laughs> No, but that's fine. I didn't feel cut off. I just, I generally think that, well, uh, honestly, since we're talking headcanon at this point, um, I've always thought of Kalia, Derek and, and Lillian as the weirdest thruple ever. Yeah. And, and like the way that they're almost constantly portrayed is the three of them doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it feels like, I don't think Kalia considers herself queen. I don't think that that's what she's going for. Uh, I think you could refer to her as queen because she is technically the queen of Lordaeron. Um, but like Joe just said, and it's also worth pointing out that not everybody, not only is not everybody who is forsaken originally from Lordaeron, most of them are, uh, but some of them are not. Some of them are, are elves. Some of the elves that got killed by Arthas on his way up ended up as the scourge mm-hmm. and were wandering around when 
Sylvanas essentially tried to to kill and kill Arthas and allow you know people were getting freed from the scourge. So some of those people are were elves and they they were ruled by a king or a queen. Like pretty much, I think there's it was Dathramar and Anasterion were the only kings that they ever had because those that they lived about through two three thousand years. So yeah, um, they haven't they have an even stronger tradition of pick somebody they're in charge. Um, so it's, it makes sense that they, at that time, that's how they viewed things. But even during Sylvanas's reign, uh, you could see the cracks. Oh yeah. Like if Joe mentioned before the storm in before the storm, the original desolate council had already started forming because Sylvanas was just never around. She was always off doing something. There was day to day business that needed Mm -hmm. to get done and she wasn't doing it. Um, partially because you know she, we, we now know she was making plans with the jailer and all that stuff, but as she became more chief of the horde, just she wasn't there to run Lordaeron. She wasn't there to run you know Undercity, and as a result of that, you know they, the original Desert Council started to form just because they were the ones who were there to do it. Uh, they ended up getting killed at the end of before the storm, but the new one that's that's co- come into being, it's basically the same idea except now they don't have anybody. There's no missing person to like be like, well, we have to do this because they're not here. They have to do it because there is no option. There's nobody else to do it. And Kalia is on that council because Kalia helped them reclaim Undercity, Lordaeron. Without her, they couldn't have gotten him back. So I don't know if in time she'll actually be considered queen. Like if the, if the Forsaken will call her that. I don't know. I think it's quite possible it could happen. I also think it's quite possible it may never happen. But for right now, I don't think that I think that that was probably inadvertent or it's just somebody calling her queen because technically she is that she deserves the respect of the rank. Yeah. And because I think she is the last Menethil. And I also think that's, that's maybe a little bit of it too. Like we're talking about like deserving of that rank. I think that's a theme with her in her story arc in general that I, I don't want to say is oft ignored, but oft overlooked where, you know, I've heard a bunch of people ask the question of why should I care about Kalia or, you know, why is she important? Um, but like her story arc is mostly her earning that respect, like step by step, beat by beat uh, and, and fighting for it even from before the storm, when she goes through the tragedy of, of standing up for the people and, and wanting to meet with, you know, the, the folks of the forsaken wanting to see her people. She cares about those people when she's still alive to the arrow striking her down, uh, to her being raised in the Netherlight temple, um, to her current role of, of sort of sliding into an existence that, defies all other forms of undeath that we really see on the world or in the world. Something she's unique in alone in that regard. And her relationship with Lillian Voss is sort of like the echo of that, or I shouldn't say the echo of that. It's the sounding board for it, right? Look how those two interacted at first, go back to the retaking of Lauderon quest line, go back to every interaction she's had with Lillian Voss from the very beginning even back in battle for Azeroth after, after everything was, was going down, she evolved and earned Lillian's respect 
something that I think we talked about this a few weeks ago at this point. Lillian's not easy to to earn that respect at this point. In life, she was a stern person, uh, raised as a weapon who really wasn't made to be light and fluffy and flowery. That, that's not how she was. That's not who she was. And her existence in Undeath has been nothing but her being sort of that amped up stern person still, maybe because that's all she had left of herself. But she also just doesn't like people very freely. It's not her thing. any Like it never was, but it certainly isn't now. But now she seems genuinely fond of Kalia in a way that is like she respects her as a leader. She respects, respects her as a person. She respects what she's trying to do, even if she may think at some points it's foolish like she did with Derek. And there's a softness that comes in whenever she's dealing with Kalia, like the I believe it was with Derek that she was going, she was the one that ushered him, right? Because she knew that Kalia couldn't, not in that way. It was, she would get him adjusted. She would explain what the, what it is to be that level of forsaken. Uh, because Kalia really wasn't equipped for it yet because she was still figuring it out herself. Whereas in the past, I'm pretty sure Lillian would have just been like, yeah, whatever, figure it out. I got things to go do. Um, I'm going to be over here in the shadows lurking. Uh, maybe kill somebody, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out later. But that respect that Kalia keeps getting, not just from Lillian, but the people around her and those that interact with her in the t- reclaiming of Gilnea's storyline as well. Like there are comments being made by Gen Greymane and his wife about how it's still Kalia, right? She still has that air of authority. She still has that, that tenderness about her, despite what her porcelain outward appearance looks like. And I think that's kind of cool. So, like I, I like I said, I don't know if it was intentional or accidental. My thought is that it was more intentional, and I think it just kind of fits the fits the person, fits the character quite a bit. So, sorry, I just talked a whole lot there. Anything else to add, Matt? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. No, I'm drinking liquid quickly. Move forward when I get more liquid. <laughs> All right. Well, this next one is going to come from Speed Lancer, uh, which is going to go back to our troll-ish, snake-ish friends. So was Hithralis always a Loa, or was she once a Titan Keeper slash Watcher? I played through all of Battle for Azeroth and only got the zone lore about the Sethrak and somehow never got Temple of Sethralis when doing random dungeons during the expansion. Finally took my main through to learn the final encounter was saving and healing the avatar of Sethralis. 
While I could have accepted it at face value that a snake Loa had an avatar similar in appearance to her followers, Dragonflight came along and showed us the Refty, snake-like Titanforged, that look almost exactly like the Sethrak. Before I turn it over to Matt, I just want to say at the top of this, remember as we talk about this that Loa refers to anything of significant power in the eyes of those that worship it, whether it's trolls or the Seth, uh, the Sethrak. So what do you think, Matt? Well, I was going to say that uh, there's no reason that you have to make a differentiation there. Um, was she always a lower or was she once a Titan keeper slash watcher? I mean, to the, to the trolls, night elf wisps are Loa. Yeah. They refer to him as Loa. So if a dead night elf is a Loa and you know, a reincarnating night elf is a Loa. I mean, it's, it's pretty much just this thing is significant and, and important. Um, in a, in a beyond mortal way, uh, Titan keeper could absolutely be considered a Loa. It's got the power. Now we know that the, supposedly the Refty were created by tier. So that makes, yeah, I kind of have to ask the question if tier made the Refty, I mean, would, would, would Sethralis possibly be like a, big powerful member of the refty like mm-hmm. is is it a question that maybe she's not actually a titan watcher or keeper but is similar to to uh hella helia was not a, a watcher slash keeper she was titan forged but she was important to odin she was one of the most powerful sorcerers that they had. She, she worked with Ra at one point. So it's theoretically possible that Seth Rollis could have a similar position. Um, keep in mind that we're, we are speculating here. We don't have any information on this one way or the other. No one, there's no connection in game that the ref between the refty and, and the Seth rack. There's nothing says that they're related. I mean, obviously, yes, it's a very similar model, but that doesn't necessarily mean there is an actual connection. But if you want to speculate that there is one, it would not be difficult to imagine Tyr having a powerful servant down at that temple because the temple complex where the, where the temple is, with Sethralis is, is originally part of the lock mechanism to keep Oldir contained. Mm-hmm. And it's very likely that Tyr would have been like, we don't want that thing getting out. This is our... It's like having a hot lab for plagues you don't want the plague lab to get out you don't want the things you're working on in the plague lab you know we're trying to figure out how to cure this thing but that means we have lots of samples of it which is not great if you get exposed to it so we don't want people getting exposed to it that it could be something along those lines just you know hey sethralis make sure nobody gets in here um but that's that is speculation on my part uh I, I will totally give you that they do look alike. I'm looking at the refty right now and I'm like, yeah, that, that ain't, that ain't very different. Yeah. So I think the, for context here, the refty, we, again, you're right. They are a Titan forge race uh, that were created by keeper tier uh, that were originally designed to work or at least created to work in harmony with dragon kind. One of the things that I think is interesting is that they were often sent to distant shores to carry out important missions, whether that be, 
uh, when we're in Aldemon or uh, like with Sentinel Talandris or I think that no. Yeah. Talandris is the name um, or, you know, any of the others that have existed forever ago. They and they could have very easily been the or they may very well be the progenitor race for the, the Sethrak, right, where they curse of flesh took over and made them that way. Yeah, could right? absolutely be the case. Right. And it seems rather likely that that may be that that is that is probably the most logical leap we can make there. But I mean, especially since Sethralis's power was lightning based. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of feels, you know, Titan constructy. Uh, it does. So, I mean, literally, there's the halls of lightning for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. It was one of the the mechanics of them creating new life. And if I remember even, correctly, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say it would even make sense that she was the one. She sacrifices herself to stop Mithrax from from unleashing his masters upon the Azeroth, and it's like that makes sense. Then, if mm-hmm. if she was, you know, if she was a Titan Keeper, it would make sense that she would throw herself into that situation. That's how Tyr died ultimately. So yeah. it would make a certain amount of sense that that's how she died. And I think there's some more to it too, right? Cause when you go to the temple and you're outside of the area, like the quest that leads up to it, uh, you'll notice that there's a lot of like eggs, like snake eggs with that look very similar to eggs that we find on the dragon isles uh, out and around and they're being tended to, but they're also acting like lightning rods um, because you're in a stormy area and the temple itself is sort of an embodiment of that. As you make your way through it, there's egg chambers, there's lightning that is pulsing through it, that the denizens that live there are essentially, I don't want to say sustained by it, but it's almost like the temple itself is a lightning engine. Now, it doesn't look like a Titan facility as far as we can see, but we only see a small portion of it. It's entirely possible. You know, on, and Garage doesn't look like a Titan facility either, man. That's true, right? Um, But it is. At the very least, it was. And the mechanics of it, which we see even when we go back through, let's talk about Battle for Azeroth. uh, When we go through trying to deal with uh, Nazoth, we see that there was an engine in place. And it was around those obelisks and the pyramids and the, the items that were strewn about. It was a little more arcane in nature. But as we've talked about before... Arcane is just one of the wonderful things of order that the Titans wielded, right? So going back to to uh, the Refti and going back to uh, the Sethralis, it's entirely possible that it was a, a Titan creation originally, a very powerful one. It's also possible that it wasn't. It's possible that there was already a creature or being of a natural order or existence because we know that they exist outside of it. Whether it is like we've talked about, we can talk about the wild gods here because the wild gods are often referred to by the trolls as what Loa. Mm-hmm. They, they accept them from what they are. They exist in the realms that all the other Loas do when they die or in a, when a, they, they, cause they can die. They go to Ardenwell. Um, when they, the, where the same thing with the Loas, the Loas go there as well. That's their realm. You literally rebirth them. The two can be synonymous and it can very well be that it is a natural being that, that was there. That is a very powerful entity. 
and as far as the avatar goes, the avatar is channeling that power. It's not necessarily communicating on behalf of Seth Rollis. It's almost like it's a very powerful mage. Um, I'm trying to think of how exactly like to formulate the thought here. And I apologize. It's, I'm not, kind of different on the than, here. it's not really that different than the priests that we saw in the original Zolomon. Yeah. When they were channeling the spirits of their low and taking on their form, right? Yeah. It's pretty much when the Loa have a, a pre a high priest who is bound closely enough to them, they can do that willingly. Like the Loa, we saw that um, with the, if, with what happened to the, the ones in, uh, in Zoldrak. Even even um, uh, if you're doing mythic dungeons this season, uh, it's all bizarre. Uh, the very very last person, the high priest that you fight, is a high priest of the Spider Loa, right? Yeah. And aspects of the spiders, like literally, it's a it's for the D and D folks out there. It's a drider, right? Top half of an elf, bottom half of a spider, which is not the only time we'll see that going forward. But yeah, like they take on aspects of it, so. The two can be the same thing. They are not mutually exclusive. But they don't have to be. As Joe has pointed out, it is quite possible that it's also quite possible that Tyr knew about Sethralis's sacrifice and decided to both honor it and come up with a form that's closer to dragons in one stroke. Mm-hmm. He might he might have just said, you know, this is closer to a dragon. The dragons will feel more comfortable with this. Um so who knows? But it is it and, is not entirely impossible. Well, I think there is something that lends credence to it maybe a little bit later on being a more natural occurring thing because this is something that happens in the Battle for Azeroth quest line that I don't think we've ever seen a Titan Watcher do, which is Sethralis, not the Avatar. Sethralis, the Snake Loa itself, appears in Zuldazar for Talanji's ascension to queen. Because if you remember, a bunch of the Loas show up, the ones that Wamsamdi allowed to come back through. And with us freeing the Avatar, which I think is really important because there's, for context, and I want to just kind of walk this back just a little bit, because I think it's one of the, it's one of the more interesting storylines in Battle for Azeroth, and I don't think we've really spent a whole lot of time on it. But... It's Korthek. It was one of the uh, Sethrak that wanted to become emperor of essentially his people. And as a result, wanted to free Mithrax and conquer Zuldazar. Uh, he had essentially a cult following, declared himself the emperor. Uh, and then those that were still loyal to Sethralis were sort of driven into hiding. They became the minority. Um, Korthex, uh, I think they were called Faithless, um, sort of veered away from Sethralis and worship of Sethralis became forgotten or, if anybody did remember it, was vilified. And so you have entire generations of the Sethrak who are being raised in sort of this, you know, spitting upon the old Loa, spitting upon our god because it never helped us. They didn't look what they did. They made our land barren because in the sacrifice of that that uh, Sethralis uh, gave to take Mithrax down, that's why the desert's there. That was all jungle before that. It was a lush, verdant jungle, uh, which would make sense for snakes. 
um, when that. Although I will point out, there are plenty of desert dwelling snakes. There are plenty of desert dwelling snakes as well. The calling down of that massive amount of power to take Mithrax down is what scorched the desert or the, the the jungle into make it into a desert where life was hard pressed to come back. Tell me when you're done. I was just going to say, so I think it's interesting that like you have this entire culture where there's such a few amount of followers. And one of the things that I think is not explicitly stated and I, but this is a speculation. There's a certain amount of power from belief that sort of feeds into like these wild gods. And I think that with the avatar stifled, that's followers and hiding and the, the majority of the Sethrak race, uh, being turned away from Seth Rollis, that until that moment, Seth Rollis can't be fully reborn until, you know, then we see it. So I think that's a lack of worship or an active disavowment of the worship caused it to be uh, longer for the rebirth of Seth Rollis. And now I'm done. You can go ahead and talk. Cause I know I, I sparked something in you. Yep. Uh, while he was coming up with his, perfectly well-reasoned argument, Joe completely undermined his perfectly reasoned argument because he reminded me that we've seen something on Azeroth that can turn a once verdant land into desert before. Oh, we have. Yes, we absolutely have. There's the halls of origination in Aldum run by Titan watchers that we've never seen before that are all reptilian or other animals. They're exactly like Seth Seth Rallis. They're big humanoid animals like the the Anubis Sath. And yeah, the the moment that you mentioned that, I'm like, wait a minute. Back then, Aldum would not have been far away because it was all one continent. And it was a continent that part of the continent was was you know at the time run by trolls we know this cuz the trolls the tribe is still there zulfarak so maybe it's a natural occurring wild god absolutely could be but maybe it isn't because if it's got access to the halls of origination then it is not true so there's there's room to go in either direction you want if if you wanted to. Uh, I'm not saying that they should. I'm just saying that it's possible. It's also interesting to think about the fact that the Great Pyramid that that um, Korthax rules from, the thing he was trying to break the seal on, is called Atul Aman, and it was where the Zulaman tribe lived before they were the Zulaman tribe. It's where they, the Amani were from originally that they, they left literally the, the uh, Zandalar kind of convinced them to leave. So they wouldn't create civil war inside Zandalar. Oh, you know what? I just remember too. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. when you're Go ahead. in the, when you're in the temple, the, and I never, I never made this connection before, but I'm, I'm like 99% sure I'm right on this. There's the scene where you have to take the orbs, the snake eyes, and put them into the skull to open the gate to get to the final resting place. Mm-hmm. That's the skull of Sethralis. That huge thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, please keep going. I just, I, I, for whatever reason, that just popped into my brain. <laughs> well, think about what we see when you're in um, gold uh, in Gundrak. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The gigantic snake tail. If Sithralis is just is another Loa, it would kind of make sense. Because that might have been Sithralis. Keep in mind it was the the three Sethrak are known as Keeper Sulthras, Keeper Vorik, and Keeper Korthek. Mm-hmm. Now that could just be that they keep the area, but considering that the the temple of Atulaman, it's a Titan pyramid. It's one of three seals that's binding Oldir to keep Cahoon inside of it. Uh, and Mithrax attacked, and that was Sethralis Seth died, stopping Mithras from attacking that pyramid, and which, he, which she failed at. She died, but she, in the process, her the three servants managed to make a barrier mm-hmm. that sealed Chithraxes, the Chithraxi Mithrax's corpse inside to keep it from getting out. So that points again, possibly to a Titan connection. And here's a really weird thing to think about. Can we know that Titan forged can die and their spirits, Titan forged, not Titans, but Titan forged their spirits can go to, to other worlds. Yeah. Um, and what if, the 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 burst of fame that Sethralis gained by standing up to Mithrax. Because keep in mind that not just the the Sethralids, not just the uh, Sethrak hated Mithrax. Mithrax was a Chithraxi. The Chithraxi attacked the Zandalar. The Chithraxi were so bad that they later on they created the Troll Akir War. That was them. They're the ones who went and woke the Akira up and started that all happening. So Sithralis might have become, I don't want to say famous, but I can't think of a better word, so revered for her sacrifice that Aloha was created by the belief in Sithralis for Sithralis' sacrifice. Does that does that make sense? No, it makes perf- it makes perfect sense. Keep going. So it's quite possible that what we have here is a lower spirit, like something akin to a wild god, that was essentially manifested into the world by Sithralis's death, and therefore it is by you know as far as it knows, in its all intents and purposes, it's Sithralis, but it's not the it's not the Titan Forge because that died. It's the the idea people have of it and that would make sense then that it's avatar when it's avatar was kept sealed away when sethralis had few worshipers yeah it wouldn't it didn't have like the the zandalari didn't invoke sethralis much because you know the the specific event of her sacrifice you know that that was mostly forgotten so you end up in a situation where yeah you might have a point like it's not a question of Buan Samdi letting anyone back through because Sethralis the the Loa was never never died because it hadn't been born yet because that's the whole thing in in religious in religious and mythical cycles reptiles especially snakes are often seen as signs of of immortality via reincarnation yeah that's the the whole the whole the alhamidus of the the Ouroboros, right. Yeah, and the the skin shedding, you know, mm-hmm. the, the idea that as a snake sheds its skin, it is essentially reborn. So, in a weird sort of way, Sethralis, much like Odin, Odin gave of himself to gain power in the Shadowlands. 
but Sithralis might have gone to the Shadowlands. And in, and in so doing became something else. So that's just something to consider. Uh, we don't, again, don't know. Could be a lot of things, but that's just one thing that popped into my head. Yeah. And honestly, like at some point I would like to do more. Um, I want to hear more about Loa's. We, I feel like we got teased a bit about it in uh, Shadowlands when we were going through Ardenweld. We got some information from Bwamsamdi, but of course it's Bwamsamdi, so you only ever get so much of it. Um, and one of the things that this reminds me of is while all this was going on, uh, after we were done with Battle for Azeroth and after we moved into the Shadowlands, we have one loose string that ties back to Loa that may give us more insight when they pop back up, which is Vol'jin. Um, he is taking over as the Loa of Kings. He is, he is, that's his deal. He's, but he's being reborn right now. He's in Ardenweld waiting for his time to come back to our world. And I'm wondering once that happens, if we're going to start getting some more information about the rest of the Loa, because Vol'jin likes us. We're friends. We've done a lot with him. Well, at least Horde side. I don't know about Alliance side at this point, how they feel about him. Uh, but I believe there's kind of wary respect there. But even then I could see him taking time to sit down with the champion and like answer questions because yeah, of course, why not? When we were talking about his, you know, what it was to be a shadow hunter, he had no problem telling people what that was about, at least if he respected you. So I'm hoping that we get some more information because Sithralis is just one of many Loa links or, or, or wild God links or, uh, you know, a lot of information there that we, we haven't fully fleshed out that I would love to. And also I'm very surprised we didn't with us being in the Emerald dream in Dragonflight fighting for the rebirth of Amadrasil, which now that I'm thinking about it, I'm really surprised there weren't any wild gods there. Like that, that feels weird. Doesn't it? That's sort of their home, their home territory. I mean, I don't know if that, if if that would be true. I don't know if you could say the Emerald dream is their home territory. I think to some degree you could actually say that Azeroth is. Yeah, true. So maybe they weren't there because they don't go there. I don't know. Scenarius should be able to go there, but I don't know if he's currently dead. No, we see him. We interact with him. He's, he's there. He's there at the end. So Cenarius is back and around and you actually interact with him and help. And yeah, help it seems that. like the Emerald dream is where they get, it's where they come back from. Yeah. Like when they die, they go to the Shadowlands, they go to Ardenweald. Then when they're done cooking in the, in the anima, they pop on back through to the Emerald dream and then pass forth into Azeroth. I don't know if they then go back to the Emerald dream. It doesn't seem like they do that often. We know we're not getting back our favorite furry bear pal because uh, he died. In Shadowlands, Urzok. guy there, yeah. So, well, it didn't even just die. His 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 spirit, essence, his anima, yeah. his essence was hoovered up when the grove that he was assigned uh, was essentially cut off or terminated, so that the rest of the Ardenweld could survive. Yeah, I'm not saying it, it's not understandable. I'm just saying, you know, with him, him for example, he's gone. He's never coming back, uh, unless you know he does. 
<laughs> That's the thing about you know, it's fiction. They can they can write a story where he comes back. Yeah, unlike unlike Uncle Ben, they don't they generally don't stay dead. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in general, though, do you? If you have a few minutes here, I guess. Last question, last final thoughts thing. Do you think that there is a sufficient difference to the lesser races in their history to differentiate between? Titan watchers or extreme Titan entities and Loas and wild gods. I think there is, but I'm curious what you think. I think that the term Loa is, is a catch all term. So there is nothing to distinguish between a Titan keeper and a Loa because a Loa could be a dragon could be a Loa. Uh, the Lich King could be a Loa. If it's powerful and, you know, transcends mortality in some fashion, it could be a Loa. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, but what, what the word Loa means and what we mean by the, we we usually mean when we're talking about Loa are, are essentially wild gods. The, you know, the various ones we saw in Zulaman and Zuldrak, uh, the ones we saw, you know, in, um, I'm, come on. I know it's a troll place. Brain, brain won't brain, but you guys, you know what I'm saying? Those are wild gods. Uh, even like the mammoth one that blew himself up or the, uh, the, the Quetzal one that was dead, but was still in existence. They, they're wild god. Yeah. No, not Hakar. Hakar is something else. I thought Hakar was Loa. We don't really know for sure what Hakar is. Although we did see Hakar come back in Shadowlands as a Loa. Yeah. He was, cause he was, uh, he was supposed to be the blood of, blood god but yeah. wasn't right there's the whole blood god thing it feels like a car is basically you know i'm always interested in a car because it feels like a car is basically just trying to bite off other people's shticks like he tried to steal gahoon's blood god thing he tried to steal the name of a demon because hakar was a demon before it was, you know back in the, the war of the ancients the hakar the hound master um I, I would not be surprised to find out that hakar is an entity quite unlike anything we've seen before but regardless, the various Loa that are wild gods are not, they're not different than the August Celestials or, you know, the ancients. There's no boundary between those beings, but there's a big boundary between those beings and the Titans. Mm-hmm. Because the Titans are entities like from outside Azeroth. They're, they're big, powerful, 
world beings. Whereas the wild gods grew here from the interaction of the things that live here. It's like when there's bears, you have a bear idea, a bear spirit that, and in this case, two of them, because you had Ursoc and Ursul. Now you just have Ursul. Um, that's got to be sad. You, you were one of two like twin yeah. beings born together, and now you're the only one. But regardless, there's that kind of thing, like like um, Goldrin or uh, the turtle one that I can never remember. But you know the one, the giant turtle one. Uh, the, the one that basically it's just like really hard to hurt. They, they, all these different ones, they're, they're kind of like, for lack of a better word, they're the platonic ideal of that thing. And I think that to a certain degree, I mean, we've seen it with, with, um, Sithralis, certainly we've seen it with, um, what's the name of the spider one? Shadra? Shadra. Yeah. Yeah. There was Shadra. There was a lot of them. They're obviously something that can be like their their servants can grab onto them and even usurp them. Yeah, because like, I mean it's it's almost like and we talked about this before with I think the Titans in general. I think this kind of applies here, right? If arcane magic is order and mages are essentially imposing their will upon the universe, it's not too dissimilar because Loa are power, right? Like you see it with Akali, uh, you see it with uh, Dumbala, you see it with, I mean, to a lesser extent, Gahoon. Um, Who was the guy? Guy in uh, in Zulgarub, the the end boss before the one before Hakar, the one who then in the dungeon version of Zulgarub was trying to keep Hakar chained up so he could drain his power. Oh yeah, I can't remember the Jindo. 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 Yep. Jindo's what Jindo is doing is very similar to what the the Amani tried to do and what actually went down in Zoldrak with the with the um Loa there. And it is it is curiously reminiscent to me of what we see at the Jade uh the Jade Temple, the Jade in the Jade Forest with the Jade Serpent. Because uh the Jade Serpent is like trying to basically pass their their existence, their power, their essence onto this new statue, which would then become the next Jade Serpent. And it clearly it cannot do that. It can hold off because that's what it does when the statue gets destroyed. It's like, okay, I can't do my life cycle thing now. I'm gonna have to make another statue. But think about the the, the idea that everything that makes the Jade Serpent what it is will be passed on and that that will be a jade serpent but it won't be this jade serpent and i find myself wondering if that's one of the ways that the loa get around death that the essence the essence transfer is like a mantle almost like like we saw with the pantheon of death yeah by doing it that way they don't have to depend on going to ardenweald and getting reincarnated their power passes on to a new being in a way that similar to how Vol'jin is now the Loa of Kings. Yeah. He has Razan's mantle. He isn't Razan. Razan's gone, but he has everything that Razan was. And in which, time, perhaps he will do the same thing, which is interesting. Had- Sorry, go ahead. No, no I, I think I was just closing off. So go ahead. Well, it's interesting too, because one of the things we see in Ardenweld is that that's not, 
not necessarily always the case, right? So in uh, in Ardenweald, there are several essentially cocooned um, Loa, right? There's Lakali, which is the Loa of Knowledge, which we haven't seen physical form of, so we don't know what it is. Uh, Mamtoth is actually there. Um, and then I think it's what, Theranja, which is another one that we don't know what they're a Loa yeah. of. The prophet Theranja, yeah. Yeah, th- also is cocooned there. And the ones that are deceased are uh, Zimbala, whose power was consumed, Razan, whose power and mantle has been passed over. Uh, Kithix was actually uh, worshipped as a, Zando- a follower of Zando's. Uh, sorry, worshipped as a Loa by Zando's followers, even though it really... You mean Jindo? No, Zando, Z-A-N apostrophe D-O. Um I mean, in the same way that Cahoon was, Dumbala is deceased. So that mantle, that power has been consumed. Uh, that was the Loa of Treachery. And then Akali is technically deceased because that power was stripped by uh, the Drakari uh, and the Zandalari in Northrend uh, and then consumed. Uh, th- uh, what is it? The Prophet. Oh, in I can't remember the last boss of the dungeon. No, I know what you're talking about. The Rhino one. Yeah. So he, he basically consumed his power and took it into himself trying to grab it. But we don't know according to all things and intents and purposes, all the official worshipers of Akali were murdered uh, and that mantle was stolen and then killed. And there's nobody else to take up the mantle. So as of right now, Akali is deceased. And that might be like the, the ways that the Loa can return might, it might be, they can return as themselves. If they go to Ardenweald and go into a cocoon and get, yeah anima or if they know that that's not going to happen for whatever reason maybe because they know Juan Sandy won't let them back in or they think Muzala might consume them they can pass on everything that they are to someone else and interestingly enough the naming scheme seems to pick up when the, the mantle's been passed like the name gets longer right or potentially like there's like a um what the what the heck is uh why can't it the Kimball like Araka mm-hmm. no Kimball, right? Like it has a full name or Shadra who is being reborn is Alortha uh, no Chandra, which it seems to be like, okay, the mantle passed on or the mantle has been reborn in a different form. And therefore it's no longer the original, but it bears a name. It's almost like, um, funnily enough, when I learned about it, uh, was the movie 13th warrior, but, uh, it was traditional to like display your lineage as the son of like, or whatever of. And so like it was Eben or, or, you know, I am, you know, Steve, Eben Bob or whatever. Um, that might be something with Eben that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That might be something similar here where it's like, yeah, I am now Kimball, but I am the mantle of Kimball or like, I, I that's fat. See, I want more Loba stuff. Like, I know people are sick of trolls and their troll expansions or whatever. I hear that. I hear the people com- that have complained about it forever, but I need more Loa stuff. I need more of these really cool, uh, like Torga. Torga is going to be reborn. I love Torga. That's my favorite Loa. Just a, just a happy giant turtle, like wise and benevolent. Let me, let me, let me hang out with Torga some more. Sorry. I'm, I'm going off the, on a deep end here, but I would love to know more about the Loa. I'd love to see more information about it because I just think they're neat. <sighs> well, anything else to add? <laughs> no, I think we pretty much got it. 
All right, but I think that's going to do it for today, folks. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast with a Q&A and ads free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify what show it's for and any special pronunciation of your name. If you want to hit us up on Discord, we have the Q&A podcast questions channel. You can throw those questions or topics in there. Same rules apply. And if you're a Patreon supporter, again, thank you for supporting us. Uh, we have that special channel on Discord set aside for you, and it's where we tend to look for first for our questions and topics for our shows. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week.